Reality is not black and white, but infinite shades of gray. This is an idea that I've often suggested when looking at the multidimensional aspects of truth. In this case, I'm speaking of the possibility that an image I showed during my recent interview with Mary Rodwell may in fact be a case in point. I brought in quantum researcher and avid photographer Cynthia Sue Larson to weigh in on what may be a case of double exposure, revealing something that goes far deeper than a digital anomaly. You'll definitely want to hear what she had to say. Well, if there's anyone who can kick the tires on the subjects that seem so out of the box, so out of the realm of normal, it's my friend, Cynthia Sue Larson. And I'm so just delighted to have her back on the show today. And on short notice, I might add, because I wanted to delve a little deeper into something that came up uh, on my last episode with Mary Rodwell. And this has to do with what I'm still deeming an anomalous photo, an anomalous photo. Now, for those of you who caught that episode, you may recall that we featured a recent photo of Mary that was taken during a talk uh, by an audience member that was watching Mary. And in this photo was revealed a very strange double image of Mary. And we're going to show it again in this episode. We discussed the possibility, excuse me, that the more ghostly or etheric-like double that that is evident in the photo may have been the result of what she had been doing uh, just prior to the talk. Now, after the show aired, we received quite a few comments about this photo, but one I want to read to you, and this is directly from the YouTube page. Here's, Here's what the person had to say. Quote, the double image is a standard double exposure. Mary and the hand of the photographer in the foreground were the only things moving, which explains why both are affected. There are lots of mysteries in the universe, but this is not one of them. And by the way, I think the person put another comment after the fact, uh, after this comment that said, but it is a pretty cool photo, though. So very, very, um, a very uh, legitimate comment, of course. Now, I, I, like I said, I thought it was a fair comment, and I think Uh, I mentioned in my reply that Mary and I actually did consult with a professional photographer who also felt this to possibly be a case of untouched double exposure. That being said, in keeping with the idea that just because it's one thing does not eliminate the possibility that it could be revealing something else in the process. And that's uh, what I brought Cynthia on today to discuss. So welcome back, Cynthia. And thanks so much, my dear, for for showing up on short notice. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be on the show. Always fun. Always fun talking to you. Now, I want everyone keep in mind that the goal in this conversation is not to come up with a conclusive answer about what it is or isn't. But as always to explore the possibilities. Let's just go on a little exploration. That that's what makes reality so interesting, right? <laughs> as you know. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know me. I, I love do. to investigate it and I love the questions. Yeah. Well, like I said, you know how to kick the tires and look under the hood and, and get get behind things. So so uh, so let's show this photo right here. And I'm gonna blow this up significantly so we can discuss the double image and moreover her expression in that that double, because that's what got my attention that this may and I repeat may be exposing something else. What do you see, Cynthia, when you look well, at this? 
I love seeing a double image photo because I don't see them much anymore, first of all. Um, you know, I used to, I grew up with the old style film cameras. And back in those days, if you didn't advance the film, you're going to get a double exposure. I kind of missed that day and age. <laughs> so my first reaction was cool. I feel like I'm back in the 60s, back in the <laughs> 70s. Because really, you know, since we've had digital cameras, how often, I mean, I, this is the first double image photo that I've literally seen in all the last, what is it, decade or so of digital photography so my first reaction was wow i just don't see these anymore mm -hmm. and so i was i was wondering was this perhaps taken by someone you know who had the old style film camera and that's why i wrote back and i asked you like what camera was this taken with and when you told me this was a smartphone that's when i got goosebumps that's when i thought oh my gosh because something to me something def definitely is going on and if people are saying this is a double image with a cell phone, well, please explain to me how that happened. Because I uh, I know pe photographers that would love to generate these kind of images, and they're mm. not able to. Well, you know, it's interesting because, <clears throat> excuse me, we're both a little bit hoarse, by the way, I think for different reasons. But <laughs> please excuse us if we start uh, hacking a little bit. I'll try to take a few sips of water occasionally. But um, when you said that to me, Cynthia, I thought, okay, well, let's see if we can do a little bit of investigation. And so I went on Google and to see if I could find some authentic double exposure shots, even from the older cameras. And you know what's interesting? I found nothing. The only thing I, I suppose what's referred to these days as double exposure are really photoshopped, um, you know, it's, a, it's sort of a filter that's used to impose images either beside or perhaps inside of something else. I could not find one. So just by virtue of that, I, I still have not even seen another example of an authentic double exposure, even from the older cameras. Right. And the only ones I've seen are the ones I've taken because I was a photographer playing around with a film camera. And mm. we'd sometimes do things like we'd say, okay, everything, you know, we'd set the camera on a tripod, you take one photo, and then the shutter clicks, and then you, you just, you can hold the shutter open sometimes, long exposures. You know, there are lots of different t techniques, but another technique is you'd actually take two photos on the same exact. Um, piece of negative and people may not know what I'm talking about <laughs> I don't know it's what a, you're talking about <laughs> I just realized that like nobody uses these cameras anymore oh. I was watching Stranger Things and the and the kid in the in the show he's using that old style film camera and I know what he's doing when he's rewinding the film at the end of the you know at oh the, right oh sure okay no I do <clears throat> okay I, you were using some terminology that was definitely over my head in terms of photography but yeah right yeah. right so if you've seen that people know Stranger Things and th there's that kid with a the camera there you go so it's like that mm. and and it's easy to do a double image with that kind of camera and it's it's just as easy it is as it is to do that even by accident if you don't advance the frame it's kind of like you take a picture and then you have to kind of like push another button or wind something to kind of move it along on some cameras mm -hmm. so that you advance to the next frame and if you don't you'll get a double image and this, you know, when it was hard to do and people had to think about it, this double image thing would happen a lot. That's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And now we really just never see this anymore, except right. people like me that used to use those kind of cameras. Right. I still have one of those cameras, but 
you know, it's so much easier with digital photography. Absolutely. Well, I will say, and again, I'm, I'm going to reiterate, folks, and if this gentleman is listening, please know that I'm not trying to to uh, prove something different, because we don't know. We don't know what's going on. But again, this is part of the journey, part of the exploration, and really just showing that reality is uh, definitely not black and white. It's infinite shades of gray, as I often say. But, um, oh, I'm going to lose my point here. Uh, I just completely lost my point. In tr- oh, I did. I actually lost my point. So have well, you US, I, I can I can go uh, back because you're go back and maybe it'll trigger what I was going to say. <laughs> right. You're asking uh, me my first impression. And the, yeah. so I gave you my first impression. My second impression was this um, when I start asking myself, have I seen something unusual as photos before? Oh, yes, I have. Uh-huh. You know, because this is like you said, I love to go into these things. So it does remind me of not exactly this phenomena, but other phenomena mm-hmm. that I have that I have witnessed. Mm-hmm. I just thought about what I was going to say. Let me let me grab it before it goes flying out the window again. In terms of, um, and this isn't even playing devil's advocate because we're not really arguing with one another or anybody else, but just in terms of process of elimination. And this is what I typically do when I experience something anomalous or see something anomalous. The first thing you want to do is take that left brain and go through that process and say, okay, could it have been this? Could it have been that? Could it be a double exposure? Sure, obviously. This woman, Mary told me, had been taking, I think there's a feature on some of the newer smartphones where you can take successive shots very quickly. You just keep the button depressed and it'll just... And the first thing I thought of was, okay, could that have made it more likely that a double exposure could occur? What are your thoughts on that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, uh, well, with the it, there's an equivalent to the old style cameras where you can just hold the button down and it goes choo 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 mm-hmm. choo. It's click 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 click. In that case, it's it's advancing. It's got an auto advance feature for the film, and it's just cranking through, and you'll shoot the whole roll in a matter of seconds. I know this because my sister did this once with a, a very to me expensive roll of film. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got a series of pictures as I'm chasing after her. Like no. <laughs> But now, of course, you've got digital cameras, and you can have that feature running. And again, you just never see these double images. So it's no, you still don't. So it's a nice thought. It's um, and it's it's uh, because our imagination goes there. Like, well, maybe they were just taking the pictures so quick, and it forgot to advance. There's no film to advance here. You know, there's it's that's a different process entirely. And so you're having. And I'm not a photographic expert in the digital cell phone technology also i don't know which app was being used so just like you i can't say for sure that there's not some software hardware explanation for this but i will just ask people and invite them look around how often are people witnessing this really Mm -hmm. well we're going to get into some of the the, putting this a little bit more in context as to what was going on uh to make room for the possibility that there is some something quite extraordinary going on in addition to what Let's call it a double exposure because he makes a good point. Just like the gentleman that Mary and I spoke to said, the ph- there's a photographer, a professional photographer, that's caught sort of in the background and you can see his hand on a piece of the equipment and there is a double of that. Now, the interesting thing is, in, and I don't have the, the image in front of me, but I've studied it so much mm-hmm. at this point, that you'll see that the hand uh, of the photographer, somewhat difficult to tell, but it looks like it is somewhat of a double in the same position 
right? You're looking right. at it. I'm looking at it. And you can see this. There's There are two, like on a double image, there's a shadowy, Let's. it's kind of like a half-developed image uh, for both the speaker, who's wearing a kind of this beautiful blue jacket and, and dress, mm-hmm. or maybe a top, and she's got her hand extended. And, and so her main image is looking toward the camera. And the photographer's hand, which is positioned on the camera a gear on the tripod, um, his main, you can see his hand, it's its just a f- clearer image. That the primary image is one um, that's a little slightly lower. And mm-hmm. then it looks like he just sort of tilts his hand at the wrist in an upward direction for the the less uh, pronounced image. Mm-hmm. So, so what I'm getting at is if you juxtapose the double of his hand and its position versus the double of Mary Rodwell and her position, they are drastically different. I'm, I'm, I don't want to spill the beans on that one yet because I want to really get into, uh, I don't know what magnification you're looking at the image, uh, Cynthia, but I'd like you to really study. I want us to study her expression in that double. Well, I'm calling it the etheric double for lack of a better word. Uh, because I think that could be somewhat revealing. But before we go there, I want to I want to lead into what, why I called my I call you my go to person on so many things, um, and I knew you'd be the right person to talk to on this. You have an excellent book called Aura Advantage that you were kind enough to send me a copy of because there was a chapter, uh, and by the way, incredibly well researched. Kudos to you for doing a brilliant job on this entire book. But in this chapter, it's called Aura Photography and Imaging. And you get into um, a good, give a good chronology of the history of um, this phenomenon and how how it uh, metamorphosized over the years. Um, and you also talk about, in addition to many other things, Curlian photography. And in that context of talking about Curlian photography, you describe in the book uh, what is called an energy body double, and that could play into something that we're seeing here, even though this is not Curlian photography. Energy body double. Talk about mm-hmm. that a little mm-hmm. bit. Okay. So the idea, well, I should probably start a little bit further back because I think this whole topic is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And it really, people may not realize that originally people were catching uh, corona discharges from people's hands as far back as 1777. And that was the work of George Christoph Lichtenberg in Germany. He's a German scientist. And then things didn't really go anywhere for another more than 100 years. And then Polish-Russian physician Yakov Narkiewicz, Yadko, excuse me for butchering that name. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's the one that term, he coined the term electrography. Mm-hmm. And, and that was in 1888. And that was the brand new photographic process recording these electric discharges from both animate and inanimate things. And I think it's worth mentioning that because people think of Curlian photography, but I want people to know this goes back as about as far as photography. People have been noticing that we are energy beings, and that's really important to keep in mind. So by the time that the 1940s arrived and Soviet Semyon Davidovich Curlian, now this is a professional electrician and he's also a photographer and his wife valentina they were working with this very simple device it, what it would do is run electric current and i want to describe the it's not just like a regular camera but they're running current from a high frequency spark generator across these electric plates that would sandwich a sheet of photographic film and then they would get these images and i think people have seen these curly and photos of leaves mm-hmm, absolutely and if you 
so they could, they would press a leaf in between the plates and if and they were having um, this experience of noticing if you tore part of the leaf off like a maple leaf and you tear off one of the fingers of the leaf put the rest of the leaf that's missing that part in between the photographic plates and then look at the image that results you'll actually see the main leaf but then you'll also see uh, the kind of like the spirit image or the you know the energy image that shows that um, it's like this phantom limb kind of a thing mm -hmm. and there it is you'll see the the entire leaf even though the entire leaf is not there right and and so there's there's something similar going on to what you're showing in this image in the sense that one image is stronger and typically in a because one thing we didn't mention with the double exposure photos you'll almost always see that those double exposures are equally strong you're not going to get this kind of a phantom effect that mm. Alexis is, is pointing out and that's what's so relevant about what you're describing here right so, good point I'm glad you brought that up yeah and so the the idea with the glowing luminescence that shows in the healthy plants is another way that the Curlian images have been used that some people might be aware of um, because they uh, scientists could track down which plants had disease by putting one of their leaves in between these plates and developing the film and then noticing uh, the energy looks different for a healthy versus an ill plant. So that lots of scientific research was done back in the 1940s with these Curlian photos. And then the research continued into the 1960s. Uh, in the fields of biology, biochemistry, and biophysics, looking at this electron microscopy and witnessing the energy body double of a living organism in motion. So now we're getting into the stuff we're talking about. Yeah. And this is this is where the experts that were doing this research described it as some sort of an elementary plasma-like constellation. Huh. And it was kind of ionized, excited electrons, protons, and possibly other particles. And th their idea was that at the same time, this energy body is not just particles. It is the, it's not just a chaotic system. It's a whole unified organism in itself. And I think that's the key idea. And I, and I use the word key like key in a lock. Um, it also brings up the idea of key or chi, depending on... Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> yep, perfect. But I don't want to go too far. Should I just keep going? Or keep going you know? because that was the next question I had for you in terms of curly in photography. Um, what one of the things that was discovered also is that it tended to reveal levels of chi in humans. And, um, you know, could we have something else going on here with digital photographs doing the same thing in some mm. cases? Right. And and like I said, back in Moscow, when they were looking at the, the, the leaf images back in the 40s and 50s, they were noticing which plants were healthier. Obviously, there's a real application that's possible when you look at the key. I usually, I, I study Korean martial arts, so I tend to go with the key, mm -hmm. but the Chinese would call it chi. Um, but it, whichever you want to call it, basically, you can definitely see uh, that when people exercise, uh, they'll get sweaty and because they've been working out. And those people were noticed, and this was recorded in an article in the magazine. Science. This was back in the 70s, 1976, I think. The people that were exercising had really nice, healthy, Curlian images um, when you would take a look at their um, images of their hands. <clears throat> and so, so the, the key experts that they brought in to take a look and see what did they um, think about this is that they they could see a difference in a qi, Qigong or Qigong practitioner. And... 
there there was a little bit of confusion at first because wet hands were considered to be a variable. Mm-hmm. Some people thought, you know, you're getting stronger results because you got sweaty people. But then <laughs> <laughs> when they worked with the, the Kate Chigong master and did further tests, they noticed that actually uh, exercise does increase key. Hmm. And you can also increase the key where, uh, if you're using magnetic uh, influence, like some people would work with magnetized water and wash their hands with that instead of regular tap water, and you'll increase your key that way. So there, there is some, I mean, then we get into all sorts of other esoteric things, but the main idea that you're getting at here is you can absolutely detect illness in people. You can mm-hmm. detect the strength of their key field, and you're going to definitely get these kinds of effects where you've got perhaps this sort of simultaneous image in a Curlian photograph mm-hmm. where... Oh, go ahead. Okay. And I was going to say, um, you know, really strange things can happen sometimes. People would have vanishing coronas uh, where their dominant personality was considered to occasionally be overshadowed by those that were more dominant. And then um, what I'm talking about now, it may be, this is kind of bizarre, but if people have seen Curlian photographs, you'll remember that you can look at the picture around a finger. This is often, in fact, this is still done. <clears throat> the Russian research continued and people are doing this even in the United States. And there are laboratories where they're analyzing the fingertip energy patterns. When you see an even field of energy around the finger, then you're witnessing a really clear picture Mm -hmm. versus when you've got someone who's sick and they've got breaks or tears or Mm -hmm. jagged edges. Yeah. I'm going to have you stop talking for a second, folks. If you you can't tell, and this isn't funny at all, Cynthia's voice is struggling. I'm just going to digress for a, a little bit. Because again, I want you all to send your positive energy to her. You know, Cynthia uh, and her family are in Northern California. Uh, they, they were are in very close proximity to where these uh, heinous wildfires took place. And before we went on the air, she told me that I noticed that she was struggling a bit to talk. And, you know, it was suffocating, literally, even though she and her family were about 30 miles away. So um, I, I, I'm going to try to maybe talk a little bit more um, st- to relieve <laughs> like, your voice because I, I drank some water. So. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. So if I'm talking a little bit more folks than normal, I want to give Cynthia yeah. a rest of her so often because her voice is somewhat strained. They're still kind of dealing with the uh, sort of the after effects of this uh, incredibly um, sad and um, trying time for so many out there. So just so you know. Um, well, th- thanks for that. Uh, what you just what you just explained, and look, I mean, this this is a conversation where I suppose, and this is one of my favorite things, where the exoteric and the esoteric intersect, and that's why I wanted to have it because, again, I I I, I know I sound like a broken record, but I'm not a this or that person. I'm a this and that. It could be the double exposure, sure, but in the act of that that anomaly happening, another may have emerged. So. Um, that that's kind of where I'm going here. Maybe not. Maybe it's just the anomaly of the double exposure in, in digital uh, photography. Mm-hmm. We don't know. But let's uh, here's something as as an aside, Cynthia. What I wanted to yes. ask you because yes. your book is about the aura, and it just so happens that you have this great chapter that deals with uh, aura photography. But I want to ask you, how would you distinguish an aura? Let's move to aura now from the etheric body or astral body, or even in some cases, what is referred to as a doppelganger? Well, these are terms of uh, various 
mystics across the ages. And so I think there's some general agreement about these different terms, uh, but sometimes there's some confusion. Mm. And for uh, when I talk about the aura that I'm describing, something that can be often measured, can be photographed. And when you look at an etheric double or something like that, then often this might be the way you'd be, if you were seeing a ghost, you might actually see the ghost and it looks like a person and um, that kind of experience has happened to me. Uh, so I, I've seen ghosts and they do look kind of like people. And when I see an aura, uh, then it looks very much kind of like these Curlian photographs, but I'm not using a camera. And I think that's what's interesting here because you don't necessarily need and I was realizing as I'm talking about these Curlian photographs and the electronic plates, and people may be thinking, well, wait a minute, hold on here. You know, there were no plates set up at this talk, and so therefore you can't expect that kind of photo. Mm-hmm. And and I actually, I think it's worth, if you don't mind, just returning a little bit to that photography subject because it's really important for people to realize there has been a history where people have gotten very anomalous kinds of results and they and and people listening probably know about orbs for example Mm -hmm. this is a very common current type of thing that you can photograph with your cell phone camera and digital camera but now i'd like to present the idea because the other thing i was thinking when you first showed me this photo was that it could be very similar to what's known as spirit photography Ah, glad you brought that up yeah and this gets into another little branch of energy photography. And we're now not so much work dealing with the electricians and people playing with running voltages through electronic plates, but instead working with uh, psychics and people who see things and run a lot of energy. They, maybe they've had a kundalini experience. Maybe they just meditate or maybe they're just really psychically strong. Uh, but the, in this field, Boston engraver William Mumler is known for having taken the first known what's called psychic photographs. Mm-hmm. Now we're back in the 1800s, 1862, and he was astonished to see images of dead relatives showing up in his pictures. And uh, that that was the first time this was seen, but obviously I think listeners will relate to that. I think a lot of us have seen things like that. Maybe not in our own photographs, but we've seen pictures like that. And then in... Um, this this woman, Harriet Boswell, started noticing that she would see regular photographs that, she, that looked normal at first would turn into psychic photographs, sometimes many weeks or months after they were developed. These were called extras. And so it looks like you'd see something normal at first and then later on you get something extra. It, or It's also called delayed photo impression phenomenon. Mm. And sometimes you'll see dead people showing up. And some of the people playing with this area notice that the photographer's intention, as well as the energy field present, are two factors known to transform ordinary, run-of-the-mill pictures into extraordinary photographs. Mm -hmm. And, And so this was also on my mind when I first looked at that picture that you showed me, because obviously... It's possible when even though the photographer might not be working, and I, I think this person, when you talk to her, she didn't uh, admit to playing with anything other than the fast forward, snap, snap, snap kind of app that she was using. Well, this was, Mary is the, <laughs> the person that I was talking to. She showed me the picture of herself, and but she was describing how the woman that was taking the pictures, somebody that was in the mm-hmm. audience came running up to her right afterwards and described, she says, you know, I, I was taking pictures very quickly and I have a lot of them but this is the only one where this image showed up so yeah 
And probably the only one she's ever seen like that, yes, too. absolutely. Yeah, so this means that uh, that when you facilitate these kind of photos, and, and these have had lots of other names. Uh, some people believe spirit guides are making a difference. Um, and then there's one last person I want to bring up. And all of this is in my book, Aura Advantage. Mm -hmm. So if people are interested, can delve into the whole thing. But there was a very famous Chicago bellhop. <laughs> and his name was Ted Sirios. He could not only produce psychic photographs when he pointed a Polaroid camera at a blank wall, which is pretty amazing. Like he'd get an image of whatever he's thinking about. But he did this in front of scientists. Now, this was in the 1950s, same time as the Curlian photographs are happening. But it's a different kind of a thing going on. Because here you've got a very high energy person who's holding the camera and just getting images of what he's thinking about, what he's psychically viewing. And sometimes he'd ask uh, one of the scientists to hold the, his camera and aim it at his forehead while well, he would focus on an image such as the Chicago Hilton. Mm -hmm. And, and he, he'd get these amazing, blurry, kind of out-of-focus images. Looks like it's taken from the tops of trees, higher than any camera angle could have taken. And it was just mind-blowing. So I'm just bringing all that up so that we can kind of wrap our minds around this. Right, like, right. So you don't have to, so it doesn't require the Curlian technology. Because I know people who are into that will say, hold on, that can't be right, Alexis. And Cynthia, you're confused because there's no technology. And what I'm saying is, not only do you not always need that technology, but we have another explanation mm -hmm. in the in the sense of having that energy present and just just like really cranked up situation where you're really excited, mm -hmm. you can get some amazing photos. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. And the, the, the account that you just brought up of the gentleman that was able to sort of image something in his mind and have some semblance of it show up in the photograph is in your book. Uh, I read that part of the chapter. Um, but this brings me to this whole idea of emotional state and how the one's emotions can affect a lot of things, a lot of the way our reality plays out, but particularly the aura and, uh, uh, you know, call it the etheric body. Maybe we'll use some of these things interchangeably, uh, depending on what we're talking about here. But I, I want to reiterate, I think I had said to you, uh, Cynthia, that just prior to uh, Mary giving this talk, she had been involved in a joint energy healing on someone else that wasn't at the talk. And I would imagine that in that that process, the emotional state had to be heightened you know, certainly there was a focus there and, you know, having to put herself in a space, an energy space that she was able to conduct this uh, healing to begin with. So that sort of leads into or kind of follows on what you were saying about how, and I know you mentioned this in the book, how intention and intense focus uh, can per perhaps produce some of these effects. That's right. And when you combine that with a high state of emotional energy or um, it's it just you can tell when it's happening because there's just this electricity that you're feeling. People that have had a Kundalini experience know it. It's that rush of energy that can occur. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this happen in photographs, uh, not not with a double image, but definitely with an energy effect showing in an unretouched photograph. So I've had firsthand experience of it myself, and I know that that can happen. And so in the case of Mary giving her talk, and I think at the time she was speaking about these special children. Yes. And and that's and she's also talking about uh, oh oh and the other thing that I remember you'd mentioned is the entire group had done a healing that's and right. they that's were what channeling I was about. yes 
Yeah, so they had so much energy in that room. You're, it's definitely increasing the probability or the possibility that a regular photograph may not look so regular. Mm, interesting. Well, let's do this because this is another yet another abbreviated version. We're going to be winding down only in a couple of minutes, um, and I wish we could take it longer. But let's now zone in on that uh, that image. If you, I don't know if you can blow it up. Uh, yep. Right yeah, now, right. I really. I'm going to see if I can do it as well. I really want to have us take a look at the expression on Mary's face in the, we'll call it the double. Okay. This is really what got me going. It was interesting because Mary Mary actually spent a couple of days here with my husband and I, and we, oh boy, we had so much to talk about, but this was one of the first things she whipped out because I don't think she had shown it to anyone yet. And I just, I couldn't stop staring at not... I mean, the fact that it's just an, somewhat anomalous at first glance is, is one thing. But then when you really blow this up, and I'm going to try to do it here, um, look at the expression on her face and how the blacks of her eyes, her pupils, are literally looking up, if you will, to the heavens, upward, to the point where it, it, I can't even imagine. Um, oops, I'm trying to move the, uh, the cursor here so I can see. Here we go. Do, do you see what I'm talking about? She's looking up. Her mouth is closed, if I'm not mistaken, almost right. as if in a position of reverence or reception. It looks like she's receiving information. What do you think? I think that's a good assessment. And I think it's also interesting that this, the stronger, clearer image, her eyes are looking to her left, which is for our right and that's exactly where the double shows i think that's another feature of this it looks like it's self-reflective consciousness in a way uh, almost expressing that on some level she knows or she's feeling right. this this very as you say very sort of a divine moment that she's um, right yeah well i'm looking at the now i'm looking at the the actual image we'll say the, the full 3d and her eyes are shifted but they're not shifted upward they're shifted no, they're, to the side, whereas in the ghostly image, we'll call it upward. But they're shifted to the side where the ghostly image is. Oh, I see what you're saying. I got gotcha. you. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. That's yeah. an interesting thing I hadn't even picked up on. So, so we're going to... With a look of astonishment. With a look Yeah, she looks like, she like really she's does. seeing a ghost. I mean, you, you look at that and you're like, wow, she's seeing something. We'll never know, um, I, I suppose, what, what's going on. But the, who cares? It's still fun to, to, to kind of take a look. you know. And I'm going to say for the record, folks, I have absolutely no resistance to admitting that something may not be anything more than what we understand it to be. And in this case, it could just be an instance of a double exposure. So in wrapping this really brief one up, and I'm bummed because I want to talk more about it, and we will, what do you think? Not conclusive, but what are you leaning toward? Cynthia oh me uh I think you've got a very clear case because I've personally experienced similar photos like I said not with a double image but with an aura showing in a regular photo and I think this is a clear case of seeing the real reality uh, when the photographer has that desire and that's what I meant about spirit photography and I there's so much more I could say too but mm. when you've got that desire you will start to see the true reality and it's doable we can all do that. And, you know, I share an exercise in the book with how to do that. 
I think that's that's a great piece of advice. As a matter of fact, there's a and, and by the way, folks, we're going to make sure to have a link so you can get our advantage immediately. I think it would make a great holiday gift, by the way. A bunch of her books would, uh, but we will have a link. But um, I think, oh, I, what I was going to say is in your book, you do talk about how, some of the experiments. And as a matter of fact, in the back of the chapter, you have some suggestions of what people can do if they want to sort of experiment with uh, aura photography. And uh, I think you had one case or one example of pointing a camera to a blank wall and sort of doing an intention experiment to see what might emerge. I may be kind of putting a couple of different scenarios together, but at least I had thought about that. I, I Got a couple of ideas. Oh, I want to try this, mm. particularly with digital photography. So that's a whole other area we don't have time to get into now. But I, I know that there has been a lot of anomalous uh, sort of things that have cropped up ever since the advent of technology, including our computer screens, in terms of uh, perhaps a glimpse into the other world, the ether world, if you will. So maybe we'll have to pick up on that uh, next time around. <laughs> but listen, Cynthia Sue Larson, always a pleasure to have you. Um, I want to wish you and your beautiful partner and family incredible healing on the back end of these uh, these uh, wildfires, and, and let's hope it's the last we see of them. I want to wish you an amazing uh, upcoming holiday. Can't believe it's that time of year. And I want to say I love you. I'm so glad to have you. Every time we have you on, it's a treat for me. Uh, love so. you too. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks again for doing Last Minute. Thanks to everyone. We'll talk to you real soon. Take care. We may never know just how this double image of Mary Rodwell emerged, but one thing we can say for sure, in a universe that's teeming with energy, manifestation can occur in a multitude of ways. This may just be one stunning example. No matter what happened here, we can rest assured that more mysteries are on our doorstep. I say, let's buckle up and take that journey. The exploration is well worth it. Thank you for taking the journey with me today. I always appreciate the companionship. Until next time, I'm your host, Alexis Brooks.